The words thank you are truly not enough to express how grateful I am. Sharing your gift with the world is both fulfilling and frightening. You don't know how you'll be received. Will they love it? Will they hate it? The only thing you know for sure is that you have to get it out. Well, to date, this podcast has been heard more than 4,000 times. Somebody is listening. And to each and every one of you, thank you. I pray that it's helped you. I pray that you've learned something. I pray that you've applied something. And I pray that you've changed something for the better. I'm truly honored that you've allowed me to speak into your life. Just recently, I was asked to speak at Kingdom Family Fellowship. I love that church. I love those people. The following is audio from that message. Welcome to the edge, folks. Let's get sharp. doing today hope everybody's wonderful hope everybody's doing good um uh this message is called 2020 hit different okay um if you are faithful listeners to the podcast this is basically um my last episode which i uh posted probably about a month ago um there's a little bit more to it and again if you are not on uh you're not a subscriber if you're not listening in please tune in to the Razor's Edge study group. It's available on Apple Podcast. Please also tell your friends about it. That is my purpose. That is my ministry. This this podcast, the content that I create, that is a part of who God has called for me to be. And one day I am praying that it replaces my, my regular job. So tell your friends about it. Let's go. Let's move forward. So, um, okay, 2020 hit different. When I started writing this episode, I was going to say 2020 has been devastating for everyone. But after giving it some thought, I realized nothing could be further from the truth. 2020 did not have the same effect on everyone. Some of us were devastated by not being able to work for months, while others were fine because they haven't worked a regular job for years. That was me. At the top of this year, I I, uh, I was furloughed for three or four months before I could go back to work. Some of us were worried about how we were going to pay our rent while others were buying their second and third homes or securing other properties to sell. Some businesses shut their doors forever, while others shifted to online, direct to customer sales, and they began to thrive. Some of us fell into depression and anxiety, while others were at peace. They started innovating ways to make themselves better so that they could come out on the other side of this even sweeter. It was the same 2020 outside, the same pandemic, the same tragedies, the same civil unrest, the same problems. Some of us fell apart while others got stronger. What makes them so different? How? Why were they so put together in the midst of all these problems, in the midst of all these struggles? What are they doing different that we can learn from? Story time. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Starting at verse 35. I'm going to read the whole thing. This is the amplified version for those of you that are following along. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. 
So leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep, with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? And he got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said, Hush, he sounded like my dad, Hush, be still or muzzled. And the wind died down as if it had grown weary. How are you going to make the wind sleepy? He said, as if it had grown weary. And there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. The word says, I will keep him at perfect peace whose mind is saved on me. Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith and confidence in me? They were filled with great fear and said to each other, who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Okay, so this story is basically 2020 in a nutshell. We all had a plan coming into this year. We knew exactly what we wanted to accomplish. We wanted to lose the weight. We wanted to get promoted on our jobs. We were focused. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. And then the storm hit. Once that storm kicked up, everybody was thrown for a loop. And we had two different kinds of people at that point. In the story, the disciples and Jesus were literally in the same boat. That proverbial same boat. Same situation. Same potentially life-threatening danger, but you see two different mindsets. The disciples, panic. Jesus, peace. The disciples, chaos. Jesus, chilling. The disciples, stressed. Jesus, sleep. How can we be more like Christ? Now that is all of our goal as Christians anyway, is to be more like Jesus, is to be more like Christ. So minor point, first one. Jesus was already at peace. If you have a pen and pad, that's a good point to write down. Jesus was already at peace. Jesus was already at peace. Jesus was always about his father's business. And if we go back to the beginning of the chapter, he was preaching. He was teaching. That's the whole reason why he was tired, because he was doing the work. He was teaching a crowd, a.k.a. doing the work, a.k.a doing everything that he was called to do, a.k.a. operating in his purpose, a.k.a. being obedient to what he was called to do. And because of that, he was tired. Because of that, he was fulfilled. There's nothing more fulfilling than being obedient to what God told you to do. As stressful as it might be, as scary as it might be, as concerning as it might be, once you step out in faith and you begin to do everything that God has called you to do, and you begin to operate in the gifting that he already gave you, there's such fulfillment and there's such peace, and you get tired and you want to go to sleep. So that's what happened. It's not like it's not like the storm kicked up and Jesus was like, oh, it's, I love it when it rains because that's when you get the best nap. So the, the rain started and he was like, all right, I'm going to go to sleep real quick. That's not how it went. He was tired from doing all that work. He was tired from preaching and teaching that crowd. And so he fell asleep on the journey. That's what we all do. Whenever I get on a plane, it's time to knock out for a couple hours before I get to wherever my destination is. So that's what he did. He took the opportunity to go to sleep. 
the point he was already at peace. He brought the peace into the storm with him. Minor point number two. Again, a good place to write this down. Their reaction to Jesus' peace was, do you even care? They were mad. They were upset because he was chilling. In the midst of this tumultuous situation, in the midst of this storm, he was asleep and his disciples got mad at him. They said, do you even care? We're about to die. Do you even care about this situation? Do you even care that there's people out here getting murdered? Do you even care that there's people losing their jobs? Do you even care that there's people... Uh, being depressed and killing themselves? Do you even care that there's people going through these situations? Do you even care? I feel like it's always the initial reaction to hate on people that are at peace. When you see somebody winning, you always want to hate on them. You always want to say, how, how do they got all this money? They probably doing something wrong. They probably selling drugs. They probably turning tricks. They probably doing whatever else that's not legal, that's not right. And that's how they got on top. And that's not always the case. What we need to do, they're probably, they're probably trust fund babies. They probably spoiled their whole life. They probably never did a hard day's work in their life. You know, I don't know why that is, but that's always our initial reaction as human beings is to hate on people that are doing good. And I don't know why. And I pray that God changes my heart and I pray that he changes yours too. When we see people that are winning, that's the time for us to pull out our notepads, to pull out our pens, and start asking some questions. How? What do you do? What is your mindset? How are you so, so at peace in this moment? How are you so um, well off in this moment? I'm struggling to pay my bills, but you've got money to burn. I'm struggling to, to pay rent and to keep up with child care. But you on Amazon every day buying something for somebody or you're able to to give money away and you're able to support other people in their dreams and their purpose and help them get by. How is that? The people that we hate on are probably people that we should be learning from. OK, so point number one, minor point number one, Jesus was already at peace. He brought the peace into the midst of the storm with him. Minor point number two, Jesus uh, their reaction to Jesus's peace was, do you even care? They were hating on him. They were mad at him because he was chilling. We are in this situation together. I'm going through, I'm stressed, I'm struggling, but for some reason you good. And I'm mad about that. Okay. Instead of, Hey, let me take some notes. Let me ask you some questions. Let me figure out how you're doing so good. And I'm struggling. Major point. Number one, Jesus knew who he was in the midst of a storm is where character shows itself strong. I hear you, Holy Ghost under pressure, who you are under pressure is just who you are, who you are under pressure. When the going gets tough, when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's, when it's, when it's a, a, a bad situation, that is who you are. Okay. When, when, when everything's going good, everybody can be nice. When every, when every, when all the bills are paid, everybody can be a sweetheart. When, when the job is going well and your relationships are going well, everybody can have a smile on their face. Everybody can, can pray and praise the Lord. Everybody can clap their hands. Everybody can have a good time. But can you keep that same peace, that same joy, that same happiness, that same attitude when stuff is not going your way? That is who you really are. When, when it comes down to it, that is who you really are. And so Jesus was aware of himself. He knew who he was in the midst of this storm because he knew who he was in the eyes of his father. 
Before he had done anything at his baptism, God spoke and said, This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Now he said that before he had done one miracle, before he had raised anybody from the dead, before he had opened any blinded eyes, before he had healed anybody who was sick, before he preached his first sermon, before he taught his first lesson, before he did any of that, God said, this is my son and I'm pleased with him. This is my campaign against low self-esteem. It's time for us to kill it. It's time for us to destroy it. It's time for us to uproot that thing from the bottom and get rid of it. Who are you in the eyes of your heavenly father? Who does God say that I am? My sister, baby girl, got a whole gang of I am statements. And she was talking about it yesterday, that I am, that is who God is. When he introduced himself to Moses, he said, I am that I am. When Jesus spoke of himself and when he spoke of his father, he called him, I am. So when you're saying I am, baby girl said, you're inviting God into your situation. So who does God, who does I am say that you are? I am a child of God. I am his workmanship. I am perfect in him. I am a vessel of the living God. I am always connected to God. And there is never a moment when we are apart. I am forgiven. I am loved. And here's, a, here's one that has changed my life. I am a steward over the gifts that I've been given. In the present condition of those gifts, is a result or a reflection of my stewardship. That one right there will change your whole life. Please write that down. If you don't get nothing else, get that one. I am a steward over the gifts that I've been given. The present condition of those gifts is a result of my stewardship. So if I have the gift of a car and my car is a mess, then that is a reflection of my stewardship, of my management over that gift. If I, you know, it's myself included, I promise you I'm going to close my eyes because I'm not looking at nobody and I'm not disrespecting nobody. I am talking about me, Michael Savage. Now, if you should happen to wear the same shoe size as me, go and lace that joker up. But if you are unhealthy, if you are out of shape, if you are a certain weight that you don't want to be, you can't blame nobody else for that. Your life, your body is a gift and you are a steward over that gift. Its present condition is a result of your stewardship. And again, I am talking about me. Don't be offended. And if you are offended, then you need to pray. Um, anyway, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Before he did anything, God, he was already approved of. He was already validated. He was already loved. He was already confident in who he was because he understood that God had already validated him. So we already did all that. So Jesus knew who he was. Okay, this is how we're going to shift our mindset. This is how we're getting through this storm. This is how we're going to be better in 2021. This is how we're going to finish 2020 strong. Okay, so that first point, minor point was Jesus was already at peace. That second minor point was how they reacted to Jesus's peace. Do, do you even care? First major point, Jesus knew who he was. Second major point, Jesus knew what he could do. In the situation, Jesus knew what he could do. He knew that the fullness of the Godhead was inside of him and he had the power to change his environment. Do you know who you are and do you know what your gifting is? 
do you understand that your gift in the right atmosphere will change the atmosphere? <laughs> do you understand that your gift in the right atmosphere will change said atmosphere? Y'all know I'm a comic book head, all right? So I talk about Superman all the time. What makes Superman super? I know y'all gonna run down a list of his superpowers. He got the the, the breath that he'll blow it and he can freeze stuff. He got laser vision. He got super strength. He can fly. He can do all these incredible and amazing things. But if you really study the character, all of that power comes from his environment, comes from him being under a yellow sun. His native planet has a red sun. So if you took him and put him somewhere with red sunlight, he's as ordinary as everybody else. So your atmosphere matters. Your gifting, number one, your atmosphere is the second piece to that. So if me as a chef, my atmosphere is the kitchen. If I play basketball, my atmosphere would be the basketball court. If I was a, a, uh, a orator or a teacher, my, my atmosphere would be the, cl the classroom. So my gifting would be at its best in the right atmosphere. That's not even the point that I wanted to make, but... Go ahead, Holy Ghost. Anyway, Jesus knew what he could do. He understood his gifting. Do you understand your gifting? Do you know what it is that you're called to? Do you know what it is that God put on the inside of you? God is so dope, so awesome, so amazing that he made sure to put everything you needed right where you needed it, inside of you. You don't have to look outside nowhere for nothing, okay? You have what you need. Uh, I can't think of the song, but the, the, the prophet told the widow, what do you have in your house? And she went in the house and she found the oil and then the oil plus the anointing is what sustained her. She said, uh, uh, God said to Moses, what do you have in your hand? He had that staff, that staff plus the anointing allowed him to part the Red Sea. What do you already possess? Dr. Miles Moreau has this uh, saying that he says all the time, 90% of the information that you need is in a book in your house that you haven't read yet. So what do you already have? What is it that you already possess? Now this goes to something that's even deeper than that because we as Christians, we as churchgoers make stuff so deep sometimes that that uh, that we're of no uh, earthly good. So, so spiritual that we're of no earthly good. I don't know how the saying goes. One of y'all know it. Perhaps you'll share it at the end of this. But but you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. That's what it is. Boom. All right. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So um, so basically, we make stuff so super spiritual that we can't apply it to our own lives and we can't really teach it to others. But the point of the matter is, if you have a gift and you hone that gift, then you don't really even have to work for money. Think about this. That gift was intended to solve a problem. So once you solve that problem, once you show evidence that you can solve the problem, people will come and find you and they will give you whatever you ask for. A dentist solves the problem of tooth pain. So whenever your teeth hurt, that dentist doesn't have to do a whole lot of advertising. You will find him. <laughs> and and uh, the Bible calls us uh, trees planted by the, by the rivers of water. And we produce fruit in season and out of season because we're planted by that, that stream, by that source. So how many fruit trees have you seen going to market? How many fruit trees have you seen, you know, uh, uh, 
doing marketing or, or having a website. I'm not saying all of that stuff is, isn't important because I do believe it is. But that fruit tree, once it produces its fruit, once people taste how good it is, they come and find the tree. <laughs> if you want some apples, you go and you find that apple tree. You want some mangoes, you go and you find that mango tree. Or you, can, or you find somebody that can get you access to that tree. So once you have your gift, once you've honed it, once you've completed it, or, or at least gotten it to a point where you can solve somebody's problem, they will come and find you. So me being uh, uh, understanding my purpose, understanding my gifting, God put the gift in my voice. God put the gift in the way that I think. I have a ridiculous imagination. Most people see stuff like this. I see it like this. I see it like that. I see it weird and strange. And when I take the gift of my voice and couple it with my imagination, when God drops stuff into my spirit, the way that I share it um, attracts a certain group of people. And it helps and it helps a certain group of people. It's the same message that has been preached for, for hundreds of years. It's the same message that has been, have been preached by hundreds of different ministers, hundreds of different uh, motivational speakers. But when it comes out of my mouth, for some reason, somebody hears it a different way. Uh, 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 man, you must become all things to all people that you might save some. So... And that what that means is because I was so confused by that earlier on in my Christian career that you had to be everything to everybody. And that is not the case as the body of Christ. If I am who I'm supposed to be and Rebecca is who she's supposed to be and my mom is who she's supposed to be, somebody is going to find the connection of somewhere. And then that same seed is the same word, same God, same Jesus, same Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to get connected to it and they're going to be able to understand it on their level and they'll be able to grow from it. So we must become all things to all people that we might save some. All of us as the body of Christ have to do our part, have to embrace our individuality, have to embrace our gifts, our things that make us weird, the stuff that makes you strange, the stuff that makes other people confused, the stuff that gets you clowned when you're in school. That's the stuff that God has given you so that you can change the world. Let's talk about it. Freddie Mercury is is a was a singer songwriter. He had a severe overbite that got him clowned all the way up through college. Come to find out that that overbite overbite created a space in his mouth so that he could hit these crazy high notes. And Freddie Mercury became a multi million dollar uh, musician. Okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They people ragged on him because of his size and because of his Austrian accent. He said that he wanted to be an actor. They told him, you want to be an actor? You got to get rid of that accent. James Cameron, who was the director of the Terminator film, the original one, said Arnold Schwarzenegger's accent is what made him so valuable to the film. Because of that heavy, thick act, he sounded like a robot, and that's what we needed for the film. So all that stuff that people are ragging on you about, all that people, all that stuff that people are saying to tear you down and to make you fit in, you won't conform to the ways of this world, but be ye transformed. You're supposed to be different. You are not of this world, okay? You're supposed to be strange. They're supposed to look at you funny because he uses the 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 foolish things to confound the wise. He uses the weak things to confound the strong. You are confusing. 
<laughs> you are confusing me. You are messing with people's mind. You are you are messing with the status quo. You are messing with everything that they said is supposed to be like this. You do this, you fit into this box, you go to this path, and then you finish here. And God said, no, that's not the way I do things. This is the way I do things. And again, not the point I was trying to make, but thank you, Holy Ghost. Anyway, point number three, that was point number two, major point number two. Jesus knew who he was. I'm sorry. Jesus knew what he could do. Major point number three. Jesus knew where he was headed. Okay. And this point speaks to vision. Now, in Jesus's situation, he knew exactly where he was headed. It speaks to vision. He knew his life had a pur purpose, but he also understood that his death had a purpose. And he had to be in the proper position for his death to have the meaning that it needed to have. His position on the cross is what was going to deliver all of mankind from the power and from the power and the authority of Satan. He knew that his death on the cross is what was going to give us the power, the ability to come up and to step into our true purpose and our true identity as the dominators of the earth and to be able to do what what it, what it was that we were called to do. He understood that. And so because he understood that, he knew that he wasn't getting ready to die on this boat. Maybe that's why he had so much peace, <laughs> because he knew exactly where he was going. He knew where he was headed. Do you understand where you're headed? OK, now this is how it goes. Um, one of the things they say about God is that he starts from the end and then he goes to the beginning and starts. Now, what that means, again, we're making it too deep. We're making it too spiritual. When when a, an, an architect sees a building, he sees the building all built up in his mind. He sees it in his head. It's an idea. It's a thought. And so what does he do? He puts it on paper. That paper is called a blueprint. Now, that blueprint breaks down exactly where every room is supposed to go, exactly where every bathroom is supposed to be, exactly where every faucet is supposed to be, exactly wherever where every uh, uh, plumbing line is supposed to be. We're making it way too deep. We're making it way too spiritual. OK, let's come back. Let's take a couple steps back and let's really think about what God is trying to say, what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us. So when we have these big dreams, Becky, when we have these big dreams and these big visions and we see these things all worked out and then we come back to reality and it's like, how am I supposed to do all of this? We're supposed to stop. Jim Rohn is, a, is another motiva motivational speaker that I listen to. And his stuff comes heavy from the Bible. And he and he is not shy about it. He was like, this is a biblical principle. OK, his mentor was a Jewish rabbi. <laughs> He'll tell you this is a biblical principle. And so when should you start your day after you finished it? When should you start your week after you finished it? What does that mean? You should start your day after you've planned it all the way out to the end. And once you say, all right, we're done, then that's when you can get up that next morning at 6 a.m., whatever time you got to get up. And then you knock off your to-do list. You knock off your plan. That's basically what it is. When God said, when, so when we say God sees it to the end and then he goes back and he starts, it's just like that architect who sees the building. He plans it all the way out. And then he begins to lay the foundation. So that's what we do all the time. We see this vision and we're like, all right, God says go. And then we just start going. And then we wonder why we can't finish it. There's a proverb that I can't think of. Gosh, I need to start studying my word again. Um, but he's, who's, who starts a building 
without making a plan or, 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 or without counting the cost because you get to halfway through and you find out you can't even finish it. Now you look like a like boo boo the fool because you couldn't finish it. OK, so that's basically what that's talking about is you got to count the cost. You got to plan it all the way out to the end and then go back and start that thing. So Jesus knew exactly where he was headed. He knew where he was going from the beginning. So that's why he knew he couldn't die on that boat. He knew that whatever this situation is, if it ain't the cross, I ain't, this ain't it. Uh, Miles Monroe says that, okay, let me read this real quick before I get too far ahead of myself. All right, I was at a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and this is part of, of what I shared with the, uh, with the couple. All right. Okay, I said, let me be clear. I'm praying for vision, not sight. Sight is a function of the eye, but vision, vision is a function of your heart. What you see in your heart doesn't just affect you. It affects the world around you. There is a reason why the word instructs us to walk by faith and not by sight. Because even if you have perfect vision, you can only see what's right in front of you. Vision allows you to see the end of a thing from its beginning. Vision makes every decision easier. Simply ask the question, does this get me closer to my vision? If the answer is yes, then go for it. If the answer is no, then it's time to stop and reassess. So you need to make sure that you have that vision, write the vision, make it plain, okay? And then you start developing your plan. You start developing your goals from that finished vision, okay? So um, what, what Miles Monroe says is, what you see in the vision, if what you see in your vision is not, or if what you saw in your vision, forgive me, I'm getting it together. If what you saw in your vision is not what you currently see with your natural sight, then you're not done yet. You are not finished. You still have more work to do. So if what you saw in the vision is not what you see right here, right now, then you still got some more work to do. So Jesus knew where he was headed that's major point number three and this is the final point right here major point number four they didn't know who jesus was at the end of that story after jesus rebuked the winds rebuked the waves he turned to them and said you still don't have faith in me you still don't believe me and they said to themselves who is this guy who is this dude that the wind and the rains are obeying what he says? Who is this guy? They didn't know who he was. They had no idea. They had been ministering with him for so long. They had seen him do all of this crazy stuff, but they still didn't know who he was. If they truly understood who was in the boat with them, this would be a completely different story. If they knew that this dude had the power to talk to the wind, to talk to the sea and make stuff be obedient. As soon as the storm would have kicked up, they'd have been like, hey, Jesus, wake up. They tripping again. Hey, oh, Jesus, come get them. They act, they, man, man, Jesus, like, yo, like it's a completely different story. It goes way different once you really understand. If you really knew who was in your corner, if you really knew who was fighting your battles, if you truly understood the person who had your back, if you truly knew that the creator of the universe would respond to your prayer, would you really be that stressed out? 
Would it really be that hard to have the peace that surpasses all understanding? Would it really be that difficult if you knew, if you knew that greater that was he that is in me than he that is in the world? If you knew, if you knew that he could do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask, think, or imagine when you saw that vision that seemed so crazy, I don't know how we about to do this, but you going to do it because you gave it to me and you don't start nothing that ain't already finished because that's what you do. <laughs> hey, glory. Won't he do it? Huh? Praise him now. Yes. So you don't, he won't start it unless it's already done, unless it's already thought out to the very end of a thing. He that has begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. That should get everybody so much hope. That should give everybody, that should make everybody smile. Why? Because you have started. <laughs> because you as an individual have started, which means he has already seen you all the way to the end of your journey. He knows exactly where he has to, Jeremiah 29, 11. He, he knows what he has for you. He knows he has a plan for your life. He knows exactly where he wants you to go. That's why it's so important to tap in. You need to tap into to the spirit. You need to tap into the word. You need to pray on a regular basis. You need to lean not to your own understanding. You need to acknowledge him in all of your ways and allow him to direct your path. Because if you really think about it, he's already seen you all the way to the end of the situation. All, uh, what is that? Oh, come on, Michael. My steps are ordered in the word. Um, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's one that I've been standing on since I was 19 years old. So roughly for 20 years, I've been standing on that scripture because I've made <laughs> quite a few mistakes. And every time I make a mistake, I was ready to throw in the towel. Everybody knows my testimony specifically about 11 years ago, around this time of year, I wanted to take my own life. I was and that doesn't come from just making a mistake. That comes from being defeated. That comes from feeling like there is no more hope. That comes from feeling like I've tried as hard as I could try. And I, could, I can't take another step. I can't move forward anymore. This is the end of it. I don't see any way out of this situation other than this. There's something so much. When you are ready to take your own life, it goes so much deeper than just I'm sad. It goes so much deeper than I'm depressed. It goes, it goes so far. It's I don't see anything. I have zero vision nothing. I don't see anything beyond this point. So what is it that I'm here for? Why am I here? That's the question. Why do, why do I need to take another breath? Why? And if I can't answer that question, that's when suicide starts playing with you. That's where, that's where it comes for. When that's why without a vision, the people perish. If you can't see anything in front of you, that's, like, that's where that comes from. And I see, I see somebody with their hands, where I see Becky with her hand, because you get it. You understand what that, that defeat, especially when you know, when you've seen this huge vision, when you've seen, when God showed you this over here, 
and it seems so amazing and it seems so phenomenal and it seems so joyous and it seems, oh, I could bless the world if I could get there or I could help somebody if I got there or I could save somebody's life if I got there. And you feel like you've made a mistake that has totally, completely just aborted that thing. <laughs> that is devastating. <laughs> and just the disappointment that you feel inside yourself, the fact that you think other people are going to look at you and be so disappointed. You could hear him talking and saying, oh, he he should have been. He could have been if he would have or if she would have. That right there, that is where that depression, that's where that suicidal thoughts come from. Like, I don't even want to be here no more. But I forgot my point. That was the point, apparently. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Gone and gone and gone. Okay. Gone and gone ahead. But if you truly understand. Okay. Let's go over it. All right. So just to reiterate, I want to make sure everybody gets all of this at my heart of hearts. When I asked God who I was, he said, or when I asked God what I was supposed to do, he said, you're supposed to teach, train, motivate, mentor, equip, and empower. Speaking to the souls of men and women, their true purpose and true identity, and prepare them to take dominion in the area of that purpose. So as a teacher, I want to make sure that you get all of these points and again, the playback will be available on Razor's Edge Study Group. Please tune in. Okay, so anyway, minor points. Number one, Jesus was already at peace. He was doing the work of the ministry. He was doing exactly what it is he was called to do, and he was tired, okay? Jesus was already at peace. He carried that peace into the storm with him, okay? Minor point number two was, I need you to pay attention to the disciples' reaction to Jesus' peace. And don't be, so now you're not weirded out or you don't, you understand when people hate on you. You understand when people are talking about you. You understand it because you are completely unbothered by the situation that's going on because you trust in the word. You trust in what God told you. He said, a thousand will fall at my right hand, 10,000 at my side, but it's not going to come nigh me. So whatever the situation is, I'm going to be all right. Okay. It's, this was a couple months ago where I, just really felt like in my spirit, like I was about to get fired from my job. I was like, all right, they about to fire me. I need to step my game all the way up. And I did. But I sat down with Desi and me and her prayed about it. And I said, look, whatever happens, if I lose my job, the fact of the matter is I'm still Mike Savage. I'm still blessed, called, anointed. I know exactly what my gifting is. And if push comes to shove, I still got 20 years of experience in the food and beverage industry. I can get another job. We're going to be all right, regardless of what happens in this situation. Once we had peace with that, we moved on from it, and that was it. But to God be the glory, like literally everybody else got laid off other than me. But to God be the glory. But I was ready. Either I was ready, okay? Stay ready, and you ain't got to get ready. I was ready. Okay, so anyway, point number two. Uh, their reaction to Jesus' peace. Do you even care? Point number Major point number one, those were my two minor points. Major point number one, Jesus knew who he was. Do you have the understanding of who you are in Christ? Do you have the understanding of who you are in God? First, do you know who you are? Jesus knew who he was. Major point number two, Jesus knew what he could do. Do you have an understanding of your giftings? Do you understand what it is that you're gifted to do? 
And if you do, are you working on that gift? Are you honing that gift? Are you trying to make it better? Are you getting it together so that when the opportunity comes for you to utilize your gift? Like my mom reached out last night and was like, baby boy, we need you to preach. And I was like, you know what? I was fighting it, but point of the matter is I was ready. Okay. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. Okay. I was ready. All right. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, this, this is, this is what I do. I do this for real. I do this every day in, in pre meals and post meals. People call me for encouragement, for advice. This is why I'm, this is why I made the decisions that I made, uh, 2020 and, and in 2019 to, to get the certifications and get the, 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 the stuff that I have so that I could move forward in that career. So do you know what you can do? Do you understand what your giftings are? Major point number three, Jesus knew where he was headed. Vision. What is the vision? What's the vision that God gave you? What is the dream that he dropped in your heart? What is that? When I say God gave you a vision, a dream, when, when I say God spoke to you, it's an, it's an idea that won't go away. All right. Don't make it so deep. It's not the thunderstorm. Even if uh, when Moses, uh, I think it was Moses, it was some prophet when when they were waiting on God and the storm came. Elijah. Thank you, mom. Um, The storm came and he wasn't in the storm. The earthquake came and he wasn't in in the earthquake, but the still small voice. So it's it's an idea that won't go away. It's that it's that thing that you see when your eyes are open and when your eyes are closed. When you're daydreaming and you see stuff, write that stuff down, okay? That is God talking to you. That is God dropping that vision in your heart, dropping that dream in your heart, okay? So Jesus knew where he was headed. He had a vision of the end of all of this before he even started. And that final point is they didn't know who Jesus was. Jesus knew who he was. The disciples were unaware that God was in the boat with them. So I need everybody on this call, in this meeting, to understand that God is in the boat with you. Do you know who Jesus is? Is he a part of your life? That's the point of all of this, okay? If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, okay? Now, today's the day. Tomorrow's not even promised, okay? And uh, we heard in testimony server, Sister Maya Angelou, okay, is thanking God for another day. She she's delivered from from cancer, okay? And then we also heard in the testimony of service, my grandmother lost a friend of hers, okay? So it could go either way for you. Tomorrow is not promised. All of us have these resolutions and these plans that we're getting ready to roll out in 11 days during the new year. But tomorrow ain't promised. So why are we waiting on January? Whatever whatever the issue, whatever Whatever the dream is, whatever the vision is, whatever the purpose is, today's the day. Now is the opportunity. So please just say this prayer with me. Father, I thank you and I praise you. Father, I'm wrong, okay? I've messed up. But you know what? You paid the price and you did what you had to do so that we could be closer to you. So Father, I accept Jesus' sacrifice as my own, okay? I accept his sacrifice And God, I just want to dedicate the rest of my life to your service. Whatever it is that you want me to do, God, I want to seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and just allow you to take take care of everything else. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I love each and every one of y'all. Be blessed. And, And...
Remember, you are not a mistake. You are a solution. I love y'all. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>